Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Unemployables. Um, and in this segment, we will be diving deeper into the future of education. And guess what? We have a guest. Um, our guest is the renowned academic, as well as the CEO of Zimche, Zimbabwe Council for Ed- Education. He has quite an amazing and astounding curriculum vitae, ranging from experience in Sierra Leone to South Africa and all the way in the UK and America. He's an amazing man who works deeply with UNESCO in trying to form the future of education globally, not just in the realm of Zimbabwe. And today we're going to discuss about what the future of education looks like in the context of Zimbabwe and also of the world at large. So guys, stay in tune, sit back, relax, and enjoy. As well, as we hope most of all that This podcast episode really gives you guys a lot more insights and helps you guys form greater opinions and ask deeper questions. So, let's go. With context of Zimbabwe, we wanted to first um, discuss um, the impact of COVID-19 on the learning system. And with an understanding of how the custom model, the brick-and-mortar model uh, of education has really been um, has really hit a hit quite the road bump here. We want to understand what what does the what does the future of education in terms of its delivery look like within um, within our region within within um, sub-Saharan Africa as well as um, globally. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, so I'll address the first two bullets here. Yes, sir. So the this the first one obviously. When our schools were built, even you know those of us that inherited them, you know from the colonial past, yes, sir. Uh, these schools were brick and mortar because that was the, the British model, that was the French model, that yes, was the sir. Portuguese model, that was the Italian model. So that's how we built our schools. But what COVID has done is that the, the brick and mortar school is not the only model, and it is not a sustainable model. So even going back, most of our schools in this country, people were it already started to use the radio, oh, radio, yes. and later on in some cases television, and later on even you know print materials. I remember yes. when I was in teacher education myself, we were using print materials to send it to teachers that were teaching in rural schools. So we we already started you know, some distance learning, some remote yes. learning, you know, way, way, way back. back, way back. But, yeah, but with COVID now, it is now essential. It is now essential that we make use of the affordances of ICTs for, for teaching and learning. Mm-hmm. We make use of the affordances of ICTs so that students can access learning materials, you know, 24, 24 hours, 365 seven. days of the year. On any device and at any time, but yes. that comes at a cost. Yes. The first cost is connectivity. Yes. And most countries in sub-Saharan Africa, our connectivity is really not up to standard. And what COVID mm-hmm. has done, it has caught us unawares. Uh, yeah, if you look at the budgets of most African countries, yeah, in terms of how much they put into connectivity, those budgets have very very small of course so that's why they have now to to depend on unesco they're going to depend on unicef 
they're going to depend on the, on the World Bank. It, it mm -hmm. is because we had not planned ahead with something like COVID um, yes. in mind. So now you'll notice that every African country, every single one of them, has okay. now put a budget aside, a budget for connectivity, a budget for training teachers, yes, a budget, yeah, a budget for training students. But a lot of countries are yeah. struggling, are struggling with devices. A laptop uh, in Zimbabwe, a laptop in Malawi, a laptop in Ghana, a laptop in Nigeria is not as affordable as of it course. is in England or in, in North America or in, in Europe yes. or in the Middle Eastern countries, you know, that, that are very wealthy. Yes. So that's still a, a problem for most African countries. For us to be able to roll out e-learning to primary schools, especially to rural schools, yes. we have a serious challenge because in some places, in some rural schools, we, 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 don't, we don't have electricity. Of course. So how, how, do, how do you get that? So people will now have to experiment with solar energy. They have to experiment um, with, 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 putting, with putting lines in certain rural areas. Yes. And that's costly as well. And we don't have the time. But you'll notice that a number of African countries Yes. including our own country Zimbabwe, we are already now uh, using radio lessons, but very, very in a very sophisticated manner. Yeah, and course. they are designed in such a manner that most students are now able to, to access That's to it. access them. Yes, because of, yeah. of the low so, cost of entry. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what we are now doing in most African countries. We're using radio. But for schools that have got electricity, especially boarding schools, because the parents may have a little bit more money than the ordinary rural farmer, those schools are now getting connected. Okay? Yes. But most urban schools, especially urban schools where parents are a little bit more affluent, of course. the teachers are able to use their cell phones, especially their smartphones. Uh -huh. They're even now able to use their tablets. They're also even able to use their computers to send lessons to students while they are at home. I've actually talked to a number oh. of kids um, in primary schools in urban areas who say, yes, we receive materials from our teachers. Okay? okay. We receive materials on my phone. I receive materials on my laptop. But the, the affluent parents are able to provide laptops for their kids. There is one school in Arari called Arundel. Yes. It's a primary school. It's a secondary school. Every kid that goes to that school has a laptop. Of course. Okay. Yeah, I've got a little niece of mine <laughs> that goes to St. John's uh, in Avondale. She has got a tablet because she has got an uncle who gave her a tablet. Of okay. Course. So, so kids in those schools are able to do so. Yeah, but going right. forward, our, our, our countries have to invest in the manufacture of oh, these, these um, uh, laptops, computers, tablets, locally, yes. so that they are affordable to the ordinary person mm -hmm. in the street. Yes, okay. Sir. On that so point, that I want is... to ask, um, do you think that there's a possibility for public-private partnership in terms of maybe um, higher purchase higher purchase or subsidizing these laptops if, let's say, a manufacturer has come or, 
a local producer like they they finally have one in Rwanda they were to maybe enter the market do you think maybe the government would be willing to subsidize those um, those devices yes we have got a brilliant um, and very innovative uh, thinker um, in our Minister of Higher Education yes, uh, uh, professor Amon Murwira is he's just brilliant wow. he, he brought yeah he brought these issues of public private partnerships to all our public universities. Every public university in this country is mm -hmm. engaged in some form of public-private partnership. All but right. what Professor Murwira has done through government, through you know our president, there is a factory that will be built in Masasa to mm -hmm. actually manufacture computers, and laptops, right. and other peripherals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh. So that students can be able to access this. And what he has also done, which is really very unique and had never been done before in this yes. country, what Professor Murgira has done, yes. he has now talked to all the major cellular network companies, Tel One, Econet, Telcel, to start a private-public partnership where they lower the cost for bandwidth for universities okay. and for our students in, in our universities. Right. I'm not sure where they are, but this has already started. And yeah. what yeah. he has also oh. done, which is, it has never been done, mm -hmm. is even buying servers for every public university in this country. Wow. So that we then get, yeah, with, so that we then get connected to one supra massive uh, <laughs> internet system uh, in the in the country, so that students mm -hmm. can access teaching anywhere, anytime, and on any device, twenty four hours and three hundred sixty five days of the year. Wow. So, what you are talking about is now happening at the university level or at the tertiary education and the training system in Zimbabwe. Murwira is already doing that right now. Uh, so that is happening. Wow! All yeah, all so parts of the Education Five Point Initiative. Yeah. Exactly. That's what Education 5.0 is called a heritage-based Education 5.0. That's what Professor Murwira calls it. Wow. And we have all bought into it, everybody in higher education <laughs> in this country. We have bought into it because it makes sense. Most of us wonder why we never even thought about it initially. <laughs> okay. Beautiful. So because it works. It works. Yeah. So that's my answer to your, to your, to your first question. What is your second question? Um, my first, uh, my second question is now asking about um, the structure in which um, education actually um, actually is doled out, um, in, uh, especially at university level for undergraduate programs. Um, for example, if we if we look at um, at the current at the current business world as we have it, um, there are two pillars which support it mainly, which is skills in IT and skills in management. These skills are in high demand are need and are needed to form the base of all businesses, um, specialists being added to supplement the, the construction of, of the actual firm. But then these two make the base, make the base. And it's a and in these two industries, it's constantly changing, constantly evolving. Do you think that um, um, parts and parcel um, inside Education 5.0, we could um, maybe create and form a new curriculum in which um in which implements more um, continuous learning, maybe not for all the all, all the departments, but these two departments, 
so that we can have students spend a lot of time in industry coming back to school for supplements and uh, and coming back in so i just want to understand your perspective on on that model the model of continuous yeah. learning and see how it could be fitting with with education 5.0 the, the answer the answer to your question is yes what i want you to do is you just google the ministry of primary and secondary education they are revamping their curriculum to suit Beautiful. exactly what you are talking about so that we bring kids out of those schools with an entrepreneurial mind and entrepreneurial and entrepreneurial spirit and entrepreneurial value system the, the curriculum in primary and secondary education is being changed to suit what you are talking about so that we produce a new graduate out of our primary and secondary education so that is happening at the primary and secondary education, education at the universities at the university sector we are involved in a mammoth exercise yeah. where we are introducing new minimum bodies of knowledge and skills for instance we are now saying a student who's doing computer science at the university of zimbabwe yes. and a student who's doing computer science at the national university of science and technology in blawayo yes 80% of the content must be the same oh uniformity 20% yeah 20% will be the, the the additions that each university will put in so that their student will be unique for okay. instance a student who's doing an mba at nast of course professor of business studies will say for you to pass my degree chinese is mandatory okay. i want you to do chinese that's the 20% that's the 20% and extra. yeah and the, the 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 head of the business school at uz mm -hmm. will say to his students i want all of you to do french and portuguese that's my 20% wow. so that's what we are now doing uh, at the higher education level but most universities are now recurriculating okay changing their curriculum our premier institution the university of zimbabwe has started a mammoth exercise where 400 Wow. of their programs are being changed let me just give you one example which is my best <laughs> example do. which the the, the the vice chancellor professor mafumo uh, yes. professor paul mafumo and his colleagues have done they've now i'll give you two examples let me give you the first one yes sir. uh in their in their in their in their in their life and health sciences for instance they've got an msc yes in pharmacy and the drug discovery Wow. So that every student who does an MSc in pharmacy, they will deal with you know the drugs, yes. but they will do many courses in how to actually invent, yes. develop, market the actual and innovation. Yeah, and, and and distribute drugs. This is a theme that Professor Murwira has brought in with Education 5.0. Education 3.0 was we teach, we do research and we do community service eh? we yes. teach we do research and we do community, community service. service but he's saying no that's <laughs> not enough it's not you teach you do research you do community service you do innovation you do commercialization you do industrialization wow. and you do commercialization okay beautiful so i've given you one i've given you one example in pharmacy uh -huh. professor Mubira and other vice chancellors who have got medical degrees are now saying Yes. if you want to become a doctor that's fine but you go into medical school and you do biological sciences 
you do your biochemistry, you do your biophysics, you do your bioengineering, you do your genetics, mm-hmm. you do all those, you, you do your biotechnology, you do all those things. Yes. For at least three years, you pass, you fail, you write exams. Then after that, if you want to become a doctor, then you go to the clinical route. Yes. So that we then produce a doctor who can make amoxicillin. We produce a doctor yes. who did biomedical engineering for her first degree that can produce a wheelchair, mm-hmm. that can produce a stent, that can produce something oh. that you put in my hand. Okay. So, so I, that's the answer. That's the, that's the, answer that's the transformation um, of these usually standardized borderline degrees um into yes. a more creative outlet equipping the student with a creative force yes so that's what's being done okay beautiful so that's the transformation that uh professor Mubira and the entire higher education sector in this country are talking about and uh, i i i am i'm part of that process <laughs> because we are the reg- we are the regulatory body yes. the university of zimbabwe has submitted their 400 programs which have been developed very creatively, very, oh. very creatively, very innovatively. This, this, um, this really which, which goes will change the, the first, yeah, it will change the face of higher education Fantastic. in this country. Yeah. So, and also all our degree programs for most of our students, issues of entrepreneurship um, are going to be mandatory. And if you go to universities such as Chinoy University of Technology, for instance, yes, sir. They've got a fantastic project where they are producing semen to to beef up our cattle production in this country. Beautiful. University of Zimbabwe is very busy with what Professor Murgira calls the small grains. You know, your mungas, your apoko. Because as you know, maize is not indigenous to Zimbabwe. We're just just woodwinked into believing that maize <laughs> is indigenous it is not indigenous to this to this region to africa actually it of came course. from latin america yes yeah so there is a massive project at uz and other institutions in the country where they're now looking at um where they're now looking at changing the at, entire at agricultural yeah production yeah in, in agriculture so th- there is education 5.0 in agriculture in mining in business studies, wow. in science, throughout all our universities. You go to Great Zimbabwe University, you know, there's a brilliant vice chancellor there, you know, Professor mm-hmm. Ungano Zgobo. You know, the stuff he's now doing with mining, as you know, in Mashingo, especially yes. Pikita minerals, we've got lithium of course. Uh, and other rare earth minerals. minerals. Yeah. So what he's doing there is incredible. You go, you, 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 you go, you go to, to NAST, what Professor Lordlo is also doing. Every major university in this country now has an innovation hub. In some countries, they call them science parks, mm-hmm. where they are turning ideas into products. So if you go to Midlands State University, they've got a state-of-the-art uh, innovation hub, yes. where they're bringing in small to medium enterprises, uh, where they're being assisted, where they're doing research. You go to Chinua oh. University, is is the same. Okay, you go to NAST, is the same. You go to Great Zimbabwe University, Professor Shgobo, it's the same. So they have now all adopted Education 5.0 to its basic 
our premise, premise that yes. universities must produce goods and services. They must produce knowledge, they must produce goods, and they must produce services to uplift this country. So that what the president is, is extorting all of us to do, wow. uh, so that this country becomes an upper middle income economy by 2030. Yes. You hear some people say it's not doable, but those of us that are working in higher education and in education in general, we yes. know that what the president has asked us to do, most of us are really working towards that. I mean, if you were to go to Kariba, for instance, mm -hmm. if you go into the bush, you'll mm -hmm. find places there that are owned by Chinoy University yes. because they teach wildlife management. So even in wildlife, Education 5.0 is being practiced. Okay. Beautiful. Then okay. This this also this innovation in the learning process is amazing, astounding, and it's revolutionary on a global scale. I'm sure that it uh, is. Yeah. We we've managed to actually bring back the notion of Zimbabwe's um Zimbabwe's position at the forefront of global education, and I think in a few in a few decades we might see some of our universities overtaking Harvard. <laughs> but oh yeah, that that. That will happen in my lifetime. Oh, of course. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. Now, okay. comes, now comes also like the innovation in the um, process of acquisition of learning. Um, we're seeing that university attrition rates are rising, uh, are rising due to the, the underlying economic, uh, economic problems. Um, your, I think um, one of your colleagues from, from Zimche really did a, a great study on it. And then um, I was wondering, do you think that um, new um, new um, university funding schemes that have started to make their headwinds in the in the U.S. Um, have a place in, in Zimbabwe, or they may be a bit too experimental? For example, um, revenue sharing revenue sharing agreements um, that end up getting triggered later on, or do you think maybe they're still a bit too experimental? For, for our for our for our system at the moment. No, this is already happening in some of our universities. Oh. This is already happening. Yeah. This is already happening. Because you see we have yes. been a very creative and bold and almost revolutionary Minister of Higher Education. Of course. Who has really created a platform and an environment for all of us uh, in higher education to experiment. Um, yes. for all of us in higher education to be creative and to be innovative and to move towards the production of goods and services. So yes, there are now partners, partnerships that are emerging yes. of, of share uh, within the higher education sector. Beautiful. So the answer to what you're saying is yes. Yes, um, um, that's lovely. That's lovely. With all, this, with all these changes, you seem, I, I seem to understand that these, um, manage, these managerial and entrepreneurial um, um, processes and concepts are being embedded into every single um, degree program. That brings me up yes. to uh, a hotly debated debated topic in in terms of um, um, the realm of business globally on the value of the MBA. Entrepreneurs around the world and managers and executives from countries from companies within the FTSE 100, the the S and P 500, all of them seem to to have a negative opinion of of the MBA, viewing it mainly as a vanity metric, and that only a few, a few um, MBAs actually do have value. Um, the top one, the top 10 inside the, the QA, 
QS score. But then I'm looking at Zimbabwe's building up its role and building up its role in the next industrial revolution. Do you think the NBA does have a purpose in in our in in our um expansion of our country and the expansion of our, our learning programs or do you think that it's still it's an archaic um a degree program that's probably going to um sleep with the dogs very soon no it has got a value like what we have now done with our minimum bodies of knowledge and skills yes. i actually said among my colleagues who teach the mba program yes. or who manage mba programs uh in this country when we met at Gweru. Yes, I sat at a group where there were probably about 50 top academics um, in this country uh, who teach business studies and commercial subjects. I of mean, course. I remember talking to, you know, one, one of our best academics in commerce is now a pro-vice chancellor called Professor Zed Muranda. He used to be dean of um, commerce at the University of Zimbabwe, but now he's yes. a pro-vice chancellor at, at, at the Chinua University of, of Technology. You know, he was one of, we call him a thought leader in business studies. Oh, they have okay. now revamped that business curriculum. He was helped by deans of commerce from all our public universities uh, to okay. restructure and to rethink the way we think about the teaching of business studies. So like I was saying all earlier right. on, I'm looking for an opportunity where our students who are doing an MBA we have an opportunity before they complete to actually have a three months, six months internship of in course. another country, uh-huh. in a company in another country. Of course. And I have I put my foot down. <laughs> I've said it to my colleagues, you know, very respectfully. Of course. I will not approve. I will not approve an MBA program, yes. which does not offer students an opportunity to study either Portuguese, of course, French. Yes. or a Chinese. To create the global businessman. Okay. Exactly. So that's what we have done. So that's the answer to your question that, yes, we have also revamped the MBA program. We have revamped all our commercial uh, disciplines. We have revamped economics, accounting, etc., etc. Yes. in this country. So that, we have done that. Beautiful. Okay. Th- that's, that's really exciting to know that the your, yeah. That the the force of education 5.0 seems to be penetrating everywhere, even in systems. It that, is it is ubiquitous yeah. now. <laughs> there, Professor Mubira has succeeded. It is now ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. Students talk about it. Junior staff talk about it. <laughs> Senior staff talk about it. Vice yeah. chancellors and deputy vice chancellors talk about it. Ah, fantastic! Now let's. Yeah, go. and we are also okay. lucky. You probably don't know. Yes. We our permanent secretary, our mm-hmm. permanent secretary was a former vice chancellor of Africa University. Wow. Um the, the Methodist University in Mutare. So that's our permanent secretary. So in that ministry we have got two people, the mm-hmm. minister and his PEMSEC, people who are actually professors. We have taught at a university, we have mm-hmm. managed universities. So you've got two people leading the higher education sector in this country that have the necessary they, they experience think, they breathe they eat higher education <laughs> but then as we go forward as well we're going to see we're going to see the entry of um um hopefully in africa and zimbabwe as a whole we're going to see the entry of maybe digital online learning platforms um they might not have the same form as universities but they will carry out the same functions 
my question is what do you think Zimche's relationship with these new incumbent digital platforms um will be like um do you think you, your role will be similar to it now or how do you think that will evolve obviously the role will change yeah. the role will change because that will be our new normal wow. but already yeah already we are in that business of digital platforms Yes. new learning and very creative learning management systems that okay. are being developed we just hired at Zimche yes probably one of the top ICT directors in the country he taught he was at UZ for almost 20 his name is Dr. Gilford Apanyemi oh. so what we are doing with the assistance of our permanent secretary Prof. Taguira and the ministry what we are doing, we are developing a higher education management information system, a HEMIS system, yeah. so, that, so that our universities can develop learning management systems, digital yes. teaching and learning platforms, programs for teaching academics how to know how to teach online, how to assess online, yeah. how to examine online, how to write and do researches together collectively online so that HEMIS system is, is our tool to bring about new ways of teaching, new ways of learning, new ways of assessing students, new ways of examining students, and new ways of making academics jointly produce teaching and learning materials together. For instance, okay. at the moment, we now have a project. The proposal is already there where we want to produce open education resources Ooh. and even massive open online courses for the Zimbabwean university, for the Zimbabwean student, for the Zimbabwean lecture. So that is, that is already happening right now. That's, okay that that's actually that's extremely beautiful and ahead of the times <laughs> i yes i doubt any other ca country in the in the in the region on the continent and uh, including um including the world that's managed to embrace technology this well and embrace the incumbents this much um we're seeing especially in the united states and europe um the the two different factions butting heads together and the regulators maybe uh, not really taking a proactive role but then it seems that we i think this education 5.0 initiative has really um helped us step up our game and and seeing the oh, the glimmer of hope and opportunity where other countries and other regulatory bodies haven't been able to do so and now let's actually yeah, but that's what we're doing yeah let's let's now that's focus on the education 5.0 initiative itself um yeah if you go to Arare institute of technology yes? for instance they, they are developing ventilators. Wow. If you go to the National University of Science and Technology, their students in biochemistry are the ones that are at the forefront of developing the chemicals, the reagents, the mm -hmm. gadgets for testing people. So that's what is happening in the country as we speak, with our universities taking a lead, all of them. Hmm. Wow. Then now comes to the, the crux of the matter. Um, for the Education 5.0 initiative to work, we're going to require a, a large effort by the students themselves. And 
after uh, I did um, quite a few interviews um, this upcoming week in preparation um, with students and lecturers um, from various universities across Zimbabwe. And I found a lot of them, um, not all, but a lot of them were very apathetic ab about their um, about their about their education, about, about the education and their careers. Uh, um, uh, and then I, I, I sort of diagnosed, I, I inquired further and realized a lot of people, especially how the education system used to be structured, um, they were forced into, uh, forced into focusing in maybe subjects or in subjects or, or areas or field that weren't exactly uh, um, that mentally stimulating or did not stimulate their, their, their feelings of inquisition and, uh, and thought. Uh, and now I'm wondering, of course, that that was the past. How exactly are we going to change this learning culture that that, that was so embedded in us that made learning not a, a process of, of of wanting to to find new information and 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 use it and mold it, um, but passively um, passively absorb it and regurgitate it later? How are we going to re-embed the 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 concept of inquiring of, of questioning of of innovating with the knowledge we have to build a better tomorrow um do you have any suggestions or thoughts on that no what we are doing you're talking about the essence of teaching and learning yes you are talking about exposing our academics to much more creative ways of teaching and learning Yes, sir. To much more creative pedagogies that stimulate students, to much more creative pedagogy pedagogies that we call a constructivist approach, yes. where students are part and parcel of the construction even of new knowledge and how that knowledge uh, is taught. Yes. So we want our our academics to be trained into making use of teaching and learning methodologies that really transform the whole process of teaching and learning yes. in our universities. Because most of them just finished their PhDs and went straight of into course. being teachers in a university. So we are saying no. Right. Learning in, in the university means much more, much more mm -hmm. than what uh, they, 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 they were taught. So we want them to look into the, you know, social ecologies of teaching and learning. We want them to be able to understand the, dim the dimensions of practice. All right. We want them to understand how students relate to, with, to each other, yes, relate to the lecturer, and relate to the to the content. In other words, we want our lecturers to understand the different modes of teaching, different modes of learning that students should be able to use uh, in the process mm -hmm. in a classroom, whether it is a practical class or it is it is a social science sciences. You know yeah. what we are saying to us to uh, to the to the uh, to the lecturers is that learning 
belongs yes. to the realm of experience and practice. Wow. It belongs to the realm of experience and practice. It follows the negotiations of meaning, eh? oh, yes. and it moves on its own terms. In other words, it slips through the cracks, mm -hmm. it creates its own cracks, and <laughs> learning happens, design or no design. So that's what we are saying to our academics. Eh? Yes, that's beautiful. So we are also saying to them, learning is inherent in human nature. It is an ongoing enterprise. Never ending. It is actually an integral part of our lives. They have to understand that. And most of them had not understood it. And then we are also saying, you know, learning is first and foremost an ability to negotiate new meanings of and new vistas of knowing our reality, whether it is archaeology, whether it is mining, mm -hmm. whether it is pharmacy. We are wow. also saying learning by its very nature, it creates emergent structures eh? of knowing, of, of doing, and of praxis. Building upon itself. We, we, are, we are asking most of our lecturers to go back to Paulo Freire, pedagogy of the oppressed. That's what we wow. ask them to do. Wow. We are also saying, yes. when our students learn, learning is fundamentally experiential and fundamentally social. That's what we're saying to our academics. So we need <laughs> to expose them to ways in which they will know that learning is fundamentally social and learning is fundamentally experiential. Beautiful. We're also saying as our students go to universities, Yes. Their identities are transformed A by interacting with other students, B by interacting with content, C yes. by interacting with academics, D by interacting with, with managers in a university. Mm -hmm. So they have to know that the process of learning, the process of true learning, the process of transformat transformative learning transforms the identity of the student as well. And they've got to appreciate that fact. Okay? Yes, sir. So we are also saying learning in the academy, learning in the university, it transforms your own boundaries yourself. You are no longer parochial. parochial. Yes. You are no longer local, local. You know the Middle East. Yes. <laughs> you know Africa. You are now a global person. So the academic, when she goes, your teacher, she should not think that you don't know anything. She should not think that you're tabla rasa. No. No. You come to the learning experience with a particular identity, with particular knowledge, which you bring to the teaching and learning process. So she must take that into account. If she doesn't take that into account, she does it with her own parent. Okay. <laughs> but we're also saying learning is a matter of social energy and power. It thrives on identification and it depends on negotiability of these identities with your peers, with the content, with the lecturer, with the university, and with the society in which your university is embedded. Therefore, it shapes and is shaped by evolving forms of membership and ownership of meaning, right. which includes structural relations in a classroom, Yes. And structural relations in a university. Okay. Yes, sir. So we are also saying 
academics now need to understand that the process of learning is a matter of imagination right at the disposal of the students <laughs> so we must be able as academics to know that when you learn whatever you are learning yes it is mostly a process of orientation to the discipline an orientation to teaching an orientation to relations with your colleagues it is also a process of reflection yes sir but most importantly as a student you are busy exploring new vistas whether it is yeah. academic whether it is social whether it is economic whether it is political so you are involved in ways of exploration about your surroundings so that you get a deeper meaning a deeper insight which you can add on to a discipline so that when you graduate you are much much richer uh, individual okay even your identity changes in the process okay evolving you uh, as an individual it, it evolves okay beautiful so finally we are also saying i'm thousands of miles away from you yes so your academic your teacher your lecturer your professor must know that learning involves an interplay between the local and the global and that it takes place in practice but it is defined by local contexts and mm -hmm. by global contexts for its own locality that global context yes. shapes the locality okay so you are talking to me i'm thousands of miles away of course but what we are discussing will shape the way you look at education yes. uh, in general and also the way shape, you look shape the way that the hundreds of people who um, view this this podcast will be uh, will view education itself and the concept of learning yeah so that's what we are saying to you okay <laughs> beautiful then yeah the, okay then this um, evolution of the university into into a into a into a learning zone into a zone of innovation has brought up many concepts such as um innovation hubs that you you briefly touched upon but then that creates the 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 question of um the innovations that these students are are to create and, and to and to put their efforts in forging um are they are they protected um are they protected individually or are there structures present to properly support them because it would be a shame to have an incident to like um what happened in the early 2000s with um, Netscape. Um, Netscape in America was one of the first um, 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 search engines. It was produced by students, I think, at Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And then the university, uh, the university sued the, the students because the students at the time were, were, were working um, as university assistants. Um, and then afterwards, the, the students had to be separated from their innovations and the, the company later on dying with the dot-com bust. Um, is there has there been systems set in place to to help um ensure that the 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 partnership between student uh, student and university protects um each party and um is a is a nurturing party that only fosters more innovation and progress um towards the end goal of a of a of a fully industrialized Zimbabwe. No, our students and our academics are fully protected. 
our yes. students and academics have got mechanisms within each university or within each tertiary institutions that protects the students as a student and his or her rights as a student. In mm. fact, our institutions are now are now environments yes. where students where students and academics are protected in terms of the governance structures right. uh, that have been set up uh, in the universities. In other words, right from the government level, we now have got acts that talk to governments. I mean, that talk to the governance of universities, including the governance yes. of student unions and the role of students as a student and as a member of a larger community within the university. Even the work that they produce, intellectual property rights, yes. are well designed, well developed, yes. well protected, and fully implemented in the country. So we don't have any problem in that area. Wow. Yeah. So this has actually this has actually shown quite a length of development because um, especially in the US and the UK a lot of uh, a lot of students uh, have um, avoided uh, have actually avoided partnering up with their um, with their universities where in in hopes to protect themselves but i'm seeing um, i'm seeing that the initiative that's been that's been brought upon has really found a way to to maximize the the ability and, and the ability for the for the student the university the community um, to form um, positive relationships that can result in in the prolonging and the and the forward motion and progress that's that's sorely needed. And then yeah, no, our students are, are fully protected. Yes, and as they, they explore yeah. new vistas of learning, they yes. are protected as they reflect on what they do. Yes, they are protected as students who are supposed to be innovative. Yes, in terms of developing new goods and services or even new products. So this is now a major theme that the minister, uh, Professor Dr. Amon Murugura himself, yes. talks about. Wherever he talks, he talks about Education 5.0, yes. how it can be implemented, how it is being implemented, and how it is supported institutionally and nationally so that we as a country can eventually achieve the ultimate goal that we want, you know, just like Rwanda, so that, you yeah. know, by the year 2030, we are an upper middle income economy, Beautiful. you know, as a nation. But, but most importantly, so that we consume what we produce yes whether it is in agriculture in mining or in industry so yes. professor murira is a scientist and is very yeah. keen on beneficiation so he has actually created you know systems and organizations that are under his ambit that are now doing this that are looking into gas that are looking yes. into oil beautiful you know that are looking into solar energy. So mm. there's a lot that is happening where we now want to say Zimbabwe can produce its own goods and services so that we can be the masters of our own destinies. Uh, wow. And in the process, our students, yeah, our students and staff are really protected. If they come up with anything, anything creative, they, they own the IP. 
Yes. But obviously, if you if you if you come up with something and you are part of a department of chemistry, yes, at the Arari Institute of Technology, obviously the IP belongs to you, but it also belongs to the university. Oh, beautiful. So yeah, yeah. The this um this re this this really re-emphasizes the point on that forming these long-standing partnerships with uh, with all parties is quite important, and I believe like. Uh, and I believe like transactions like this will further on cement it. Um, I do have a question when it does come to the 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 question of um of strategies um strategies you might you might intend to use um for lecturers to 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 help lecturers um teach innovation. Innovation in itself is such a difficult task for companies in the U.S. to 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 foster down their line. And to maintain, but now we, as as Zimbabwe, a, a country that's been that 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 not doesn't necessarily have quite the culture of, of innovation and quite the the the, the background in it, are, are going to teach it to our students. Um, I'm I'm really trying to find out how exactly lecturers are going to do this. Is this going to be through? Are we going to use um, integration programs where we can get lecturers more exposure or is there any other tools that may be up your sleeve or up the up the minister's sleeve to do, to uh, to achieve his grandiose goal? No, 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 no. You know, I'm, I'm I, I love a quote that I normally use from Bernard Shaw. Yes. Where he says, "Imagination is the beginning of creation. You yes. imagine what you desire. You will what you imagine, and at last." you create what you will so the theme that the minister has brought in the university yes is to push all of us at the nexus of chaos and strategy yes to become very creative and to become very innovative even hmm. students and staff this is done you are saying what strategy yes this is done through continuing professional development programs in our universities okay. for staff. This is done through workshops for okay. staff. It is done through workshops for students. Okay. It is done through bringing in people from outside. What All the right. COVID pandemic has done, it's a horrible thing. Of course. But what it has also done, it has told us that we can shrink the world. In other words, mm -hmm. we've deconstructed the notion of time and space. I'm talking to you, you are in the, in the Middle East or somewhere yes. in Cyprus. So we are now having webinars on literally on a daily basis. Beautiful. Where our academics are learning from academics in the global south yes. and in the, in the global, global north. So, in terms of how our lecturers become creative and innovative, yes. we are saying to those that don't have a master's degree, you get a master's degree. Okay. Those that do not have a PhD, you get a PhD. Those that are not doing research, you do research. In fact, our minister has put money yes. into a port in the millions for research wow. so that we can begin to create this innovative academic 
this mm. academic, the minister is saying, I'm creating for you an internal and a national infrastructure of yes. imagination, <laughs> which wow. includes facilities of orientation, of reflection, and of exploration. That's what the minister is saying to us. When I hear him speak, yes. each time I hear him to speak, I then say, why shouldn't <laughs> we innovate? So if you go to Chinoy University, for yes. instance, they are taking not just a national, but a regional lead mm -hmm. in livestock research. Okay? Yes. They are taking a regional lead, a continental lead in the field of agriculture. If you go mm -hmm. to Marondera University, for instance, they are even now going into into our knowledge from the past yes. about medicinal plants and how to bring them onto the table into the research lab so mm. that you can treat diabetes you can treat cancer mm -hmm. going back to these indigenous knowledge systems so this mm. is what this is what is happening in the university because what our minister has done and through the government obviously yes is to give us opportunities and tools for trying things out he's saying to us research wow. you, you can fail but try again he's saying to us wow. education 5.0 a heritage based education 5.0 yes gives you an opportunity to envision to envision the future to envision hmm. possible futures that's what he's saying to us and he's saying to us yeah. i've given you money for an innovation hub so that you can look at possibilities yeah. of research of 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 really global research research that compares globally and so that you can come up with prototypes mm -hmm. um, and you can use there are universities in this country that have got 3D printers in their engineering and science faculties. Wow. So that's the that's the environment that has been created. Okay. So let me let me explain here. What happened was that we had a bit of technical trouble and we lost this question. So I'm going to repeat it to the best of my abilities, but it should maintain what um, the same cadence and tone that I gave during the podcast. What was asked during the podcast was, I had an, I had an observation, observation, okay. I had an observation that the course of entrepreneurship had been included in many of courses, if not all courses, within the new curriculum. This was in line with the concept of Education 5.0. And from my understanding, entrepreneurship is, it's not a, it's not, it's not, a, it's not, it's not knowledge. It's an action. It's a skill. It's an actual skill. It can only be tested through its implementation. Same, same way um, heart surgeons would need to go through, um, um, they'd need to, would actually need to go go into like and physically practice um, surgery 
I'm not so sure on the correct term for it. Residence, yes. Surgeons go through residence. So there's no real residence for entrepreneurship. It's called actually building a business. And that's and that part is not implemented inside the curriculum. And that's why I, I stated that globally there hasn't been a way they found to properly educate people on entrepreneurship. Now I wanted to know what exactly was Education 5.0's future plan to actually make it much more realistic and uh, and really really test the skills and merit of these students. I hope this were I hope this this um this cut was really understandable. And let's get right back to it. Of course, of course. You know yeah. you know one one of the one of again I've got an, a quote that I used from somebody who wrote a book on, on Stephen Jobs. Oh yeah. Um the person's name is uh Carmine Gallo. Right. And Carmine Gallo I use this quote when I talk to students. <laughs> he says and I quote don't live in fear of the new. Embrace yes. change. Embrace diversity of opinion and experience. So the answer to your question is yes. yes. Wow. Yes, entrepreneurial and entrepreneurial mind and entrepreneurial spirit. We teach students what it is, but they then on their own, they then take it further. They then take it further, whether they are in engineering, mm-hmm. whether they are in engineering or in the life sciences. What we're wow. saying to them, and Steve Jobs said it long time ago. Yes. He said, let's go invent tomorrow instead of wondering about what happened yesterday. That's what we're saying to them. <laughs> Don't wonder about what happened yesterday. Go invent tomorrow. You have the capacity. God gave you brains. Use, use those brains and help Zimbabwe. So that's what we are saying to our students. That's what we're saying to them. Yes, entrepreneur. You, you can teach entrepreneurship. You, wow. I mean, I, I have given lots of speeches on how you develop an entrepreneur, an entrepreneurial mind. Mm-hmm. An entrepreneur is a pathfinder. An entrepreneur is a person who goes where others have not gone. An entrepreneur is also even a person who is driven by the motive for profit, but yes. is also driven by the motive of altruism. So that's what we're saying. That's what we're saying. That's what we're saying to our students. So we teach in, if you look at our minimum bodies of knowledge, you'll find that every student in literally every university now does a course in entrepreneurship. Whether you are doing history or you are doing medicine, you do a course in entrepreneurship because we want you to be entrepreneurial in terms of what you eventually do uh, as a Zimbabwean. So that's what we're saying to people. That's what we're saying to our street. So, you know, huh. you know, Mr. Zimbabwe, of course. anybody <laughs> who tells you that you can't teach entrepreneurship yes. uh, is wrong. Oh, wow. You teach, you expose students to how they can develop an entrepreneurial spirit. You know, you, 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 yeah. you see, that's what we're saying. You see, so we, we 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 are saying to our students, you know, you must nature that spirit of imagination. You know, you, you must nature that spirit mm-hmm. of inventiveness. You must nature that spirit of going where no other man or a woman 
has gone before. Yeah. So that's what we are saying to people. That's what we are saying. To, oh no. Oh no. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's what we are saying. Yeah. That's what we are saying. That's saying what we are saying. Is so you know, let, let me. Yeah. You know, you you probably have um, seen yes. a very famous book that I just read recently by someone called Robin Sharma. It's called the Five AM Club. Oh yes, yes, yes. He has got yeah, yeah. He has got a passage that I, um, I I like yes. where he says to us, you know, remember that being labeled a freak mm-hmm. is the price of greatness. Okay. Yes. When you feel like surrendering, continue. Triumph loves the relentless. A classic example is Steve Jobs. Yes. People called him freak. People called him crazy. And what did he do? He invented the iPhone. The iPod. Okay. The iMac. The iPod. Yeah, the iMac. Okay. So, yes. Yes. We teach entrepreneurship <laughs> so that our students will understand how to change the DNA mm-hmm. of what we do inside out. Beautiful. That's what we do. That's what we do. Beautiful. We even we teach our students, and th- this this I got from Robin Sharma. You know, I used it the other day. Yes. You know, and I use it quite often. <laughs> you know, you, I say it to them, as he says, as Robin Sharma says to us, "Your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Beautiful. Don't be trapped by dogma, challenge dogma." Which is living with the results of other people's thinking. Don't live with the results of other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. You have got an inner voice as an individual. We all do. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow somehow already know what you truly want to become. No, we say that. Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. What did he do? What did he leave the world with? He left us with the iPhone. Okay. I mean, right now, right now, yes. his company on the New York Stock Exchange, on the FTSE, on the German Stock Exchange, is yes. the most valuable company. My daughter says, Dad, why didn't you buy stock? <laughs> that stock when you were a student. I'll be a millionaire today. <laughs> okay. Of course. So the answer to the answer to your question is yes. yes Entrepreneurship yes. can be taught. This is where we teach students students yes. the commitment to discipline, the commitment to patience, the commitment to work and to love work. That's mm-hmm. where we teach students to do that. That this is what entrepreneurship are. Uh, is all about and that this is what an entrepreneurial mind uh, is all about so yes mr Masubaba, yes that's what we teach our students that's why people that's why people now say you know an entrepreneurial mindset yes helps students i mean an entrepreneurial course helps students to design strategy for continuously creating opportunities in our age of uncertainty is opined long time ago mm-hmm. by somebody called uh, Rita McGrath. McGrath. You know, so that's what we, that's, I'm a firm believer 
Yes. That every student of ours yes. in this country must do a course in entrepreneurship. To develop it. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so that this is where we teach them about girls of of creative destruction. Oh, yes. That is where we teach them Murphy. about issues of globalization, of deregulation, of, course. of technological change, of information intensity. You know yourself. Yes. You know yourself. What, uh, what uh, was this person who wrote that book about the fourth industrial revolution? You know yourself what is now saying about the Internet of Things. Yes. This is where we expose our students to the whole field of the Internet of Things and the importance of the Internet of Things. According, according to, to Klaus Schwab, yes. you know, in a few years' time, the Internet of Things will connect everything that we do and what we have, including our refrigerators telling us that there's no milk in the fridge. Actually, okay. we actually have um, with the Amazon Echo and um, Google Chromecast. Um, you your your refrigerator or your your bathroom can now actually tell that something's been something something's finished uh, in your fridge and starts ordering it automatically because you can now set that up completely by voice or automatically. So I I do believe that the the information age we are slap right in the middle of it. And um, it's an amazing opportunity for us to to take it up. Yeah. So finally, I'm saying to you. Yes. It is important to teach students about entrepreneurship. You know how they establish an entrepreneurial framework for themselves, for their group, for their company. Yes. You know how they look at opportunities out there. Mm -hmm. in the world around them and how to focus on the best opportunities that exist in the environment and how to define different options that they have and even building portfolios and eventually mm -hmm. how they can execute their idea looking for money and how to be very creative and even yes. how to assess, evaluate and monitor their projects so the answer to you my man is yes, 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 entrepreneurship can be taught. Entrepreneurship can be taught. You cannot, you, 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 you cannot yes. just think that every student has got the capacity to think in a very disruptive manner, yes. in a very creative manner. manner. No, we, we have to teach them. We have to expose them to the literature. Them. We have to expose them to the theories. Um, we the have concept. to expose... Yeah, to the concepts, yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay, Mr. Mazbaba, do you have a last question? My last, my, my last question is not a question, but a request. I wanted you to, um, to, to my audience of young, um, our podcast is called The Unemployables because it's made out of disruptive individuals who are set um, wholeheartedly in, in changing the world and making an impact. Um. So my my last question my last uh, my last question is more of a request. Um, what do you request of the young Africans, um, the the young Africans that are scattered across the world, to do right now, to do to to do immediately, to to change the face of the continent, to change the face of our country. 
Well, I, I think what I'll do is uh, I've got a, a quote that I usually give to my own audiences and students. Yes, and again, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's from it's from Robin Sharma. Beautiful. And I quote: No matter where you are on the pathway of your life, please do not let the pain of an imperfect past hinder the glory of your fabulous future. You are so much more powerful than you may currently understand. Splendid victories and outright blessings are coming your way. And you are exactly where you need to be to receive the growth necessary for you to lead the unusually productive, extremely prodigious, and exceptionally influential life that you have earned through your harshest trials. Nothing is wrong at this moment. Even if it feels like everything is falling apart, if you sense your lives as a mess right now, this is simply because your fears are just a little stronger than your faith. Eh? Yes. Your, your fears are just a little stronger than your faith. In other words, your faith must be stronger than your fears. With practice, with practice, you can turn down the volume of the voice of your scared self and increase the tone of your most triumphant side. The truth is that every challenging event you have experienced, each toxic person that you have encountered, yes. and all the trials you have endured, have been perfect preparation to make you into the person that you now are. You need these lessons to have the treasures, the talents, and the powers that are now awakening within you. Nothing was an accident. Zero was a question. You are definitely exactly where you need to be to begin the life of your most supreme desires. One that can make you an, an empire builder, along with the world changer, and perhaps even a history maker. I like that quotation. I like that quotation from Robin Sharma, the 5 a.m. plan. This was Baba. Thank nice you. chatting with you. Amazing chat, insightful and beautiful. I can't wait to have.